0: Welcome. If you're online with us, we're so glad that you got to uh, be a part of Caitlin's Baptism and our worship here together this morning. And um, whether you're online or you're here with us, we've got a digital bulletin, a copy of uh, Sermon Notes in the Bible app. So if you've got the Bible app, you can uh, go to more events and find Christ Community Church there. Uh, And uh, we encourage you to follow in that way. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 5 as we continue to go through the book of Hebrews. Uh, And as you find that, I've kind of got several uh, things, kingdom things, I'm calling them, that I want us to to talk about for just a minute while we get ready for that. So uh, one is this. Uh, During the month of July, we are uh, taking part in an initiative. We've we've launched an initiative called Money to the Mission. And uh, in that initiative, for the month of July, we want to take a special offering for some of our mission partners that are affected by us not being able to to join in with them this summer. And so last week we talked about Sparrow Missions in Honduras, next week we're gonna talk about our partner uh, in Central Asia. And today, we, we're not gonna do as much, but we wanted to quickly draw attention to uh, Crossings Camp. Uh, Cedarmore is actually right here in Shelby County. Um, Jesse Benson, one of our members, is on staff there. And they've had to cancel all summer of camp. And uh, that's a huge part of their budget. And we were gonna take uh, campers, both students, as we saw in Caleb this morning, and elementary kids. So uh, we do just wanna be praying for them, but also recognize that they're one of the partners that we will uh, give this offering to. Uh, if you wanna to give to that offering, you can go to loveshateville.com slash give, and when you uh, get into the, the giving platform, you can select Money to the Mission as a fund. Uh, or you can put that on a check and give uh, in the regular cans just like you usually would. all right. So uh, those things. Um, a couple of other kingdom things. Uh, this Tuesday evening, at 7:30, uh, I've been asked to, to preach at uh, a revival that is going on here in town, Mosdale Park. Um, Justin Barnes, one of the pastors, Norris Beckley, uh, they have already had 16 days of revival at Mosdale Park. And that's continuing tomorrow night, and so 730 at Tuesday, I'll be speaking. I'd love to invite you to just come and and join us there. Uh, God's done some really cool stuff in our community as it relates to racial reconciliation right there in the middle of our community. Uh, And that's also a quick reminder that two weeks from today will be Love Shelbyville Day, and on that day, uh, Norris and Centennial Baptist Church will be joining us to serve, and then they'll be hosting their gathering right here around 1115, and they would love for you to to be a part of that as well. Uh, and then one last thing uh, from a kingdom uh, perspective. We want to be praying for different churches each Sunday. And so today, after I read scripture uh, and pray, I'm, we're going to be praying for Brother Brad Jennings and Elmberg Baptist Church right here in Shelby County that's uh, reaching people uh, in eastern Shelby County. So those are some kingdom things. that uh, Those are really important, guys. And I hope that uh, as much as what God has for us in his word, I hope that those things are an encouragement to you because it's a reminder that God is working in so many ways and so many places through so many people. And uh, what happens here on Sunday morning or what you watch online is not the church. The church is the people being the body day in and day out throughout the week. So um, with that, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Last week, Hebrews 5 started talking about Jesus as the great high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And then we recognize the grace of God in calling believers to join him in that priesthood. And you're like, huh? You lost me. Melchizedek, priesthood of believers, what are we we talking about? I have no fear. The author of Hebrews has a lot more to say about this idea, but before he gets there, he's really concerned about something, something that we're going to talk about in these few verses today. Uh, And so here's a a warning from me, whether you're online or you're here with us live. Um, These verses that we're going to read today feel very unsatisfactory. You might leave here today thinking, well, that's just, I just kind of, I want to do something else with that. I want something more. And and so I say to you, this is really a two-part sermon. Uh, But I believe it's important that we sit with the problem that the author is going to bring up. There's a problem in this faith journey that, and I, I think that we need to, to sit in that problem for a week so that we can appreciate and are satisfied by the answer the, the author will point us to next week, all right? So in that light, would you read with me? We'll have it on the screen. Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14. It says, We have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain, since you have become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Father, we pray that you would send your spirit into this place to speak uh, through your word, through my lips, to the hearts of your people. God, we pray that uh, we would recognize that it is Jesus alone who satisfies, that he is still the answer. And we pray that you would be with us as we continue to be the church, not just on Sunday morning, but in our daily lives. We pray that you would be with uh, revival uh, gatherings that are being held uh, at Mosdale Park. We pray that you would be with other churches in our community. And and this morning, we especially lift up Elmberg Baptist and their pastor, Brad Jennings. God, we're so thankful that you work in so many ways in so many places through all kinds of people. We pray, God, that you would continue to call our hearts to join you in that work, to join you on the outside. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, as we dive into this passage where we're challenged with our laziness to think about solid food and not milk. When I think about solid food, for me, I think about steak. When I think about steak, I think about beef. And when I think about beef, I think about Josh and Melissa Ballard. And they have agreed to help me today. So would you give it up for Josh and Melissa Ballard? Just Melissa. Just give it up for Melissa Ballard. All right, so um, as my wife will tell you, as Katie Gaither will tell you, uh, as, as those who've known me for a while will tell you, you are fulfilling a lifelong dream of mine to grill a steak on stage. Like that. So this is this is really important. Uh, and while we while we dig into God's word today, Melissa is gonna grill wh- what do we got? This is a chuckeye steak. A chuck-eye steak. Similar to a ribeye. Similar to a ribeye. She is going to grill a chuck-eye steak to the glory of God today, folks. How do you like your steak? How do I like my steak? Man, this is, how does, how does God like his steak? Medium rare. Yes. See, yes. That was totally unplanned, but it makes my heart really happy. So uh, Melissa is going to grill this, this steak medium rare to the glory of God. And prayerfully, it is going to help us to remember to not be lazy in our faith. Lazy in our faith. Does that sound good? Man, that sounds good. Lazy faith leaves you stuck in the middle. It leaves you stuck in the middle of a lot of things. You say, lazy, Blake, how can you say that? And believe me, I want to side with you. Some have even accused me of being a workaholic, right? And I'm I'm like, somebody says you're lazy, and i gonna say, I am not lazy. And if the conversations I've had are, are proof it, again and again, I'm hearing people say, I'm working more and I'm working harder now than I ever have in light of what's happening in our, in our world, in our country. A- in some ways, I've never been as busy as I am right now. But this passage, as I had to sit in it this week and, and in the weeks leading up to this, is, is pushing me to think a little deeper. Because perhaps it's not that we as a people are lazy in general, but perhaps it's that we are lazy spiritually. So, if you're up for it, let's explore this together. Verse 11, we have a great deal to say about this. About what? About Jesus being our great high priest, right? He's looking back at the verses just before. And it's difficult to explain. There's, there's a lot to that idea. But it's difficult because you become too lazy to understand. Too lazy to understand. Ouch. I mean, that is an indictment. What would cause the author to be so forward? Well, we remember that in this book of Hebrews, the primary audience was Jewish believers who were, who were thinking that it might just be easier to return to Judaism than to fight through the difficulties of following Jesus. They were being persecuted because of their faith in Christ, and now they're thinking, you know what, maybe we should just go back to fitting in. In essence, he's saying, when things got hard, you got lazy. You had just started to grasp how good Jesus really was, how refreshing it was to walk in Christ. And then persecution came. And now you're getting lazy when in reality there's so much more that God has in store for you. And as I thought about their context, I began to think about mine. You know, in this season of unknowns, all I want to do is know. Right? Wouldn't it just be nice to know some of the things that we don't know right now? I'm not sure what to think about the actual coronavirus, but I sure want to know. And if I'm like you, I'll spend a good amount of time reading what I hope to be good reports to learn more about it. Anybody invested any time trying to learn that? I'm not sure what to think about politics going on right now. Really not. Depends on which day you ask me. But I want to know. I want to understand that. And and I'll even give effort to understanding it. I'm not sure how wearing a mask became such a lightning rod issue. I'm really not. That's baffling to me, but I I would like to know. I would like to know how that happened. I've spent some time trying to understand people on both sides of the argument, and I still don't understand, but I've invested in it. I don't know how to see real gospel-centered racial reconciliation happen. I don't know how that happens, but I want to know, and I'm going to spend some time trying to figure that out. And as I began to think about all the unknowns that I wanted to know about and that I had put time and effort and energy into learning more about, it hit me. And the things about God that are unknown to me are vast. Like, there's a lot of things that God is and, and who God and what he does that I don't know. And, 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 man, that's intimidating. Those things are incredible. I don't know exactly how God knit me together in my mother's womb. I don't know all that it means when Jesus says he is our great high priest. There are certainly many more amazing things about God that I just don't know. And yet, he, out of his love for me and for you, wants to reveal them to us. But when I begin to reflect and ask the Spirit to help me, I realize that I am often too lazy to put in the effort to know more about him. I'll spend 10 minutes with an article, but I might not always spend 10 minutes in his Word. When God began to hit that with me, I thought, whoa, maybe I'm lazy in my faith. Perhaps even this season in particular, in in the epoch of time, has made me lazy in my faith. And my first question to you this morning is simply, can you relate? Can you relate to that? And you begin to fill in the blank. Because of everything that's happened, because of this that's going on, it's easier to... And then you fill in the blank, right? Right? It's easier to not engage. It's easier to not plan. It's easier to sleep in. There's a lot of things that could go there. What is it for you that you've just began to take the easy route in your faith? Verse 12 tells us what happens when we find ourselves in this place. He says, although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. How's our solid food coming? It's almost there. It's time. It smells good. From two rows back, it smells good. Can I get a third row? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. It's ready. It's ready. It's okay. Oh, that's good. What is this again? Chuck eye steak, all right. I'll be looking for one of these in the freezer later today. I can I can be finished with you. Give it up for Melissa Ballard. We weren't really sure how long it was gonna take for this steak to go and not you know, so these are just gonna sit right here for a minute, we're gonna come back to them, okay? When he tells us in verse 12 that we could be teachers, but we've missed it because we've been lazy. Because we've stuck with milk instead of pushing ourselves to meat. Man, we realize that the joy that we could have in Christ. The joy that we sang about, the joy that we saw this morning, the joy that we could have in Christ. And we're not experiencing that too often because we're stuck on milk. Now you're stuck in this rut of, man, Just you hear the basic things of Jesus over and over and over. You attend church, you listen to a sermon online, and it just seems like it's a chore. Like you're doing it because you have to. But that's not all that laziness does to you. God actually has quite a bit to say about laziness, particularly in Proverbs. Quickly, laziness ruins you. It ruins your efforts and, and what you do. Proverbs 24 says, The slacker does not plow during planting season. And because of that, at harvest time, he looks and there is nothing. You don't feel the effects of laziness until later on. It ruins you in the future. Laziness makes excuses. I love Proverbs twenty-two thirteen that says, The slacker says, There's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. So I won't go. It's too much work. Laziness leads to stealing. Proverbs 18, 9 says, The one who is lazy in his work is brother to a vandal. And be quick to note, while these proverbs bring it some practical application, the laziness we're talking about today is spiritual. Spiritual laziness ruins you in the future. You may not feel like you're doing anything bad or that you're a bad person today, but because you're not continuing to work out your faith with fear and trembling, it's the future you that you aren't going to like Laziness makes excuses about your faith. There's all kinds of reasons not to engage with your faith or with your church family in today's day and age. Laziness leads to stealing, right? Maybe you're not stealing from the church, but man, when you're spiritually hungry and when you're spiritually lazy, you begin to just steal others' joy from them because you would rather do that than work to let Christ have his joy in you. Warren Warren Weersbe says this, Most Christians are betweeners. They're between Egypt and Canaan, out of the place of danger, but not yet into the place of rest and rich inheritance, he replied. They're between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, saved by the blood, but not yet enjoying newness of resurrection life. Are you a betweener? An article sent to me just this morning from one of our members said this, American Christianity makes salvation a personal commodity It's something you acquire through invocation. Say the right prayer and you're in. It places certain social and moral expectations on us, but it doesn't infringe upon our liberty. No one can place expectations upon us. It's an insurance policy we purchase that allows us to pursue the American dream without fear of our eternal future, and I would add, makes us spiritually lazy. And lazy faith leaves you stuck in the middle. Everything about your relationship with Jesus and the church seems to leave you grateful for Jesus, but wanting something more, something better. Thankfully, Jesus is still the answer. Imagine with me that you walk into your kitchen for an evening snack. You're hungry, and you aren't sure what you want. Dinner just doesn't seem to be sticking with you. The kids are in bed. The kitchen is clean which is a huge factor in this, right? And you open the fridge. The door opens and you see a gallon of milk and a piece of beautiful beef, uncooked. Your mind begins to weigh the options. Well, I could pour myself a glass of milk. That would be really simple. Grab a glass, pour it in, drink it down, put the cup in the sink, go to bed. Or I could make a steak. Man, that steak sounds good. It smells good. Season it just right. Get out a griddle, hear the sizzle, cook it to a perfect, God ordained medium rare, and enjoy every bit with no kids around to steal it. That part's important too, right? But then in your mind, there's this little trigger that says, nah, that's just too much work. I'll drink some milk, right? Have you been there? I'm just gonna drink some milk and try to go back to sleep Proverbs 19 24 says the slacker buries his hand in the bowl and he doesn't even bring it back to his mouth is that the picture of your faith is that the picture of my faith right now church I believe that this is many of us when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Jesus sounds good he catches our attention you think you want to be in relationship with him, but you aren't willing to work for a little while to taste something that satisfies. Sometimes you're not even willing to move your hand from the dish to your mouth. You say, Blake, it's just easier to show up at church and let you tell me what the scriptures say. It's easier to just come get a little Jesus when I get hungry. And you think, well, maybe I, it's like, I don't want to make a mess in the kitchen. And that's similar to saying, I don't want my life to get messed up when I really... Dig in and see what God has for me, what His plan is. But let me tell you this: You will always struggle to do God's will if you never take the time to live God's way. And that's a huge thing. because we want to be in God's will. We want to be walking with Him. We want the blessings of the Lord. But if we never take the time to allow Him to work on our life, If we never take the time to to live his way, we will always struggle to do his will. But the good news is, in light of this, in light of these warnings, even in in reality of our spiritual laziness, Jesus always satisfies. We have to hunger and thirst to know him more and more, to be willing to dig in and take time in his word and eat some real meat. What does that mean? In John chapter 6, there's crowds of people that Are following Jesus he was the new thing he was it everybody wanted to be around him and with him and and in this chapter he miraculously feeds them with five loaves and two fish and after that he he removes himself from the crowd and, and the crowd try they're trying to find him he walks across the water in the midst of a storm they track him down on the other side of the sea because they want more they want more they aren't satisfied and when they catch up with him, Jesus says this in John six thirty five: I am the bread of life, he told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Jesus satisfies. And the question becomes, how do I take part in that? Here's the reality. And this is the problem. And it's going to be unsatisfactory, and we're going to talk more about it next week. You've got to grow up in your faith. You've got to grow up. You can't be lazy in continuing to grow in your faith. No matter if you've walked with Jesus for a day or a thousand days or thousands and thousands of days, you've got to keep growing in your faith. You've got to grow up to get out of the middle. So for just a couple minutes, I want to explore what that looks like at Christ Community Church. And invite you to to reflect with me about how you might grow up in your faith so that you can get out of this middle. The first question that you have to ask is, okay, what is a disciple? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And very simply, the definition that we would put forward as a church is it's someone who believes in Jesus for salvation and follows him daily. Kaylin, today we got to see an amazing picture of Jesus as your Savior. But the question is, tomorrow will he be your Lord? Like, tomorrow will he have control of your life? And the same is true for us. So that is a disciple, someone who is both saved by Jesus and follows him daily. But what is discipleship? This thing that the church is called to. A couple of years ago, a team of people from Here at Christ Community came together to try and define that, to help us move forward in that process. And, and this was the definition that they put forth. Fostering intentional relationships with one another where we learn to move toward our next step in Christ Now many things can be said about this definition uh, only a couple of which I'm going to point out Uh, One is that you'll notice that this definition requires action from you It's not something that the church does for you. It's something that, that you do. That's the word fostering, right? We want to help and create environments and and push you to these things, but we're fostering while you do. And what is it that you're doing? Intentional relationships with one another. You can't do discipleship in a vacuum. You can't follow Jesus all by yourself. And so you build these intentional relationships with one another. And then it says where we learn We learn. There has to be new knowledge. There has to be things that you're learning. You have to press into the harder things, like what does it mean that Jesus is the great high priest? Where we learn to move toward our next step in Christ. We talk about next steps all the time. Kenny's the king of next steps at the end of the gathering, right? But then the question becomes, where do all these next steps lead us? What's down that path? And here's where we as a church, and and I'm going to even step back and say, uh, me and our staff and our elders as leaders, where we've really challenged, we've been struggling. We've been great at challenging you to be active and to take next steps and to go outside and serve. But we've been really terrible about showing you what path you should take those steps on. And so instead of getting somewhere with all of our activity, sometimes I think it just looks like we're doing a crazy jig out in the field. I don't stand condemned in that because we're in Christ. But as a leader and as a church, we need to do something about that. What does the path of next steps look like? How do we as disciples move together down a path towards maturity in Christ? How do we take more bites of meat instead of looking silly, sucking on a bottle of milk? I want to put this in front of us today. And like I said, we're going to talk more and more about it in the weeks to come. But this needs to be the the pathway of discipleship that we see not only in the New Testament as Jesus is walking with people, but something that we want to emulate here at Christ Community. We see in this pathway a a, a continual cycle. Because I said earlier, right, like you're always walking. And so even if you think you've gotten to the core, which you're going to hear about in a minute, part of being in the core means that you're walking back through those other phases with other people, right? So, So we see the crowds that Jesus is walking with, and, and we're going to see here in just a minute that, that he calls those crowds to, to some level of commitment. We're going to call that congregation. And, and from the congregation, there, there develops a community that, that really wants to care for one another and serve one another. And then we move to the core. Crowd, congregation, community, and core. Quickly, I want to move us down that pathway. I mentioned John 6, right? And he says, I'm the bread of life. And, and he puts this in front of them. And it's interesting because as he says that, right, as he says that, the people are like, no, 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 no. Like, we, we hear you. You're awesome. But just show us how to do the works that you do. Like, we just, like, we kind of want the show to go on, right? And so John 6, verses 28 through 30, uh, it, it bears that out. It says, what can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. And Jesus replied, this is the work of God that you believe the one he has sent. Well, what sign then are you going to do so that we may see and believe you? They ask. what are you going to perform? This is what the crowd wants, right? Like, we just want to see Jesus do his thing. It's amazing. And so as we think about these different stages of the discipleship pathway, I want us to talk really quickly uh, about, uh, in those stages, what's the mission of that person? What's their mindset? and, And what's their motivation? And I'm just gonna go ahead and give you the end of the sermon and then we'll come back. Like, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to identify where are you and what can you do to take your next step on this pathway, right? So be thinking about that. In the crowd, go ahead to the next slide. The mission of someone in the crowd is to serve themselves. To serve themselves. They simply want more. They want more acts to be performed. They want to be able to do the works of God. Uh, Their mindset is to consume. Like, they see the church as a a distributor of religious goods. And their motivation is is they're still seeking power. I want something more for my life so that I can be in control of of something else. This is the crowd. And this is an important part of of our church community, right? Like, we need to be reaching people in the crowd. And and it's okay if you're in the crowd. It's reflected in what we do here on Sunday mornings in our gathering. It's reflected in our, our community presence. Some people are in the crowd. That's where they are on the discipleship pathway. But if you're in the crowd, we pray that you would take a step towards the congregation. It's really interesting. This same group of people that's following Jesus, this crowd that's following Jesus, he tells them that he's the bread of life, and they're still pressing in on him. And finally, he just continues to press so hard that they're like, Jesus, we don't get it. And we read this in John 6, verses 66 through 69. It says, From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away too, do you? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And so in this this step of the discipleship pathway, right, there's a a switch in someone's heart and in their mind that's reflected in what Peter says. says, Their mission goes from from serving themselves to, to, I want to lead myself. I want to lead myself to to be a certain kind of person, and in this case, to be like Christ. Their mindset then is is to commit to that. I want to make a commitment to being that follower of Christ. And their motivation is because I want to be healthy. I want to be the person that God created me to be. I'm, I'm making that commitment. Peter says, where else would I go? I believe this is true, and so I'm committed to that. Here at Christ Community, this is often reflected in our covenant membership, where we ask you to to commit to 13 core covenants, right, that we see in Scripture that, that are part of us saying, this is how we as a church commit to one another. Are you here? Are you committed? Community, the next step. This community is most reflected in the 12 Disciples but we really get to see a picture of it when the 12 disciples start the church after Jesus has already returned to heaven. Acts 2, 42, 44 through 47 gives us a description of what this community looks like. Uh, and I don't have that page in my Bible, so it says. Now all, well I have that page in my Bible, I just don't, <laughs> let me stop myself there. I was on a roll. I have that page, it's a good page. Acts 2, 44 through 47 says, Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. I love that phrase. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. When you're in this stage of the Discipleship Pathway, your mission transitions from just simply thinking about leading yourself, from being the person that you want to be, to serving others. You want to be a part of that self-sacrificing community that's meeting needs. You want to be a part of a community that cares so deeply about one another that that they make sure that everything is taken care of. And your mindset is, is that to be able to do that, to serve others, I myself must be disciplined. I have to take care of my finances so that I can be generous. I have to take care of my emotional health and and of my life and my physical health so that I am able to serve others and be a healthy member of this community. And your motivation is, I want to seek consistency, right? I want to do this because I want to be consistent in my commitment to be a part of this congregation because the Lord has called me out of the crowd. Follow me? Making sense? For us here at Christ Community, this is reflected in our community groups. It's often in those groups where people are really doing what we read and Acts to, taking care of one another. It's reflected in simply engaging in something more than, than what's happening on Sunday mornings. The last but not least, the core. The core. Many of you are familiar with Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, the Great Commission. Jesus gives it to the core of his disciples before he leaves the earth. Simply says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as we saw today, and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. When you step from, from the community of believers into the core, there's more shifts that take place. Instead of simply serving others out of the overflow of what God has given you, you want to lead others. You want to lead others to to join you in the mission and and, and, in this process of making disciples and mobilizing the church. Your mindset is to, to replicate yourself in the lives of others. And your motivation is to see gospel change. Your motivation is no longer internal or about you. It's about seeing God change the world one person at a time. Church, we're going to talk more about this next week, but I believe it is in this stage that we have struggled to to figure out how to to help one another move from our community into a core of disciple-making believers. Let me say this, and then we'll be done. Being lazy is being content to stay where you are rather than continually walking through this path with others. If you heard those things and you said, well, I'm I'm here and I'm kind of good being there. No. No. That's spiritual laziness. And so when you leave this place today, it's it's kind of, like I said, unsatisfactory. Because we're just left to question, am I one of those believers that's still drinking milk from a bottle or am I digging in and, and tasting the steak? Where are you? And what can you do to take your next step on this pathway? Next week, we're going to start to prepare our spiritual meat. We're going to start to talk about what it looks like to move forward spiritually, not just in what we do, but in who we are as we get into Hebrews chapter 6. And if we don't lean into Jesus' plan to make disciples as a church, and Christ's community or church online, hear me when I say this. I don't mean bigger gatherings. I'm talking about meat one person at a time, walking down the discipleship pathway with one another, if we don't lean into that as a church, we will quit being the church. We'll quit being the church. And we'll start being a group of people that are really impressed with themselves. there will be people that we're just really proud of our serving efforts. We're really proud of what we've been able to accomplish. We're really proud of how morally good we are. But we won't be the church. So as we close today, there's no big story, no super invitation, just an invitation to reflect on your relationship with Christ and where you are in this pathway. But as we close, I want you to hold on to this hope until next week when you'll return and and we'll gather together. Psalm 34.8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the one who takes refuge in him. We will be content, we will be satisfied if we take refuge in him, if we taste and see that he is good. Hold on to that verse this week. Write it on your walls, put it on your phone, text it to others, and let's take refuge in the Lord, tasting and seeing that he is good. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for how you love us. We thank you, God, that, that you continue to reveal to us more and more about who you are. And that invitation to know you in a deeper way, man, it, it, it never runs out. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give each person here the courage to, to step in a little deeper, to take a next step, to, to, to press in to who you are and how you love them. For some of us, that's a, a repenting of spiritual laziness. It's a, it's a renewed commitment to follow you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. For others, we may realize that that we haven't been relating to Jesus at all, that in fact we don't know the Savior of the universe. Lord, if that's true, I pray that you would burn the good news of the gospel on their hearts and on their minds, that you would not allow them to to sit still, but that you would call them to take action and, and seek repentance and seek your face. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.